Hello, I hope you're having a really good day today, whether you're just starting or ending it. My name is Inaz, and I just want to thank you for taking time out of your day to come out here and listen to me speak and take part in this project because I haven't seen you guys in a while. I really missed you, but what's coming is a lot greater things. I would just want to make sure that everything is just top-notch for you guys. So for today's episode, I actually wanted to talk about something that really related to the reason why I've been gone for so long. And the topic for today is our obsession with being perfect. And not only that, but perfectionism and the way that it affects us on a daily basis. Usually, I would think that being a perfectionist was a good thing. You know, that's what we always think of perfectionism. You know, when you're in a job interview and they ask what is a true strength of yours, a lot of the time we would say that we're pretty much perfectionists, but we don't realize that it actually affects us in a negative way. And having this perfectionism really affects us mentally, physically, and it's not great. (laughs) And having perfectionism really affects us mentally and physically, and it really hurts us as human beings. So that's why I really wanted to come out with this episode and talk about that because I feel like I definitely am not alone in all of this, especially when I tend to feel like everything just needs to go a certain way. Everything needs to be perfect, but sometimes we don't realize that and we don't understand that there's more to life. There's a meaning behind just sitting back and understanding that not everything you do needs to go a certain way. And so before I started recording this episode, I wanted to really understand what being a perfectionist is and how it really affects us. Because as I said, I always thought that being a perfectionist was a positive thing and that it was something that was going to help me do more and get more out of life. But, you know, it's always that voice in our head after we do something that we feel like we could have done better. That's that voice telling us that you're not good enough, that you could have honestly done better. That voice is what really holds us prisoners to a reality that really does not make sense and shouldn't even be something seen as a positive. You know, making mistakes and being far from perfect is what we need to strive to be. You know, we're only human. And having these thoughts in our heads, that internal voice telling us that we're not good enough and 
the negative just drowning out the positive really deflates us. And in my opinion, it just feels like a gut-punching way that really went beyond disappointment, especially when I don't complete something in a particular way or if we do anything in certain aspects in our lives. But as a society, we tend to play fast and loose with the term perfectionist and perfectionism. And for some of us, it's really an irritating personality quirk that we put on people that are a little bit too uptight or obsessive with certain things in their lives. But when we describe ourselves as perfectionists instead of someone else, we really try to signal how hard we how hardworking we are without seeming arrogant. Far from a mild personality quirk or the false humility of the high achiever that we really want to be. If you picture the nastiest, cruelest person you know, imagine that their full-time job is to follow you around, you know, constantly criticizing you and judging everything that you do, all the while holding out that tantalizing promise that all your fears and insecurities will just disappear if only if you do the right thing. Now that's someone who struggles with perfectionism. That voice in your head, as if it's the real voice of that person who's just following you around. So if you think of it that way, it's not a great picture to look at. You know, that voice in our head really controls us. And not only does perfectionism feel bad, it has a really high level of negative and clinical outcomes from depression to anxiety, and that could also lead to suicide. Even outside these clinical disorders, a lot of research that I looked up and I now know, you know, perfectionism leads to a lot of significant problems in our daily lives, just impacting everything from our productivity and work performance to our relationships and our physical health. And a lot of the time, when you want to try to figure out what is constantly irritating you, what is causing these emotions and what you can do to really help yourself. The thing is, it's not only that, it's understanding that we are perfectionists and we have to figure out an ideal way to get rid of that way of thinking. So when you look at yourself, if you procrastinate a lot and you struggle to get a lot of things done, you're really the type of person that might be terribly inefficient in your own work because you're suffering from persistent and intense procrastination. Never starting is a good way to ensure that we don't fail. Now, when we look at it that way, we just want everything to be 
just perfect that we'd rather not get a failure mark, let's say in school, and we get like a 30. We'd rather just not get anything, you know, and that's a lot of the time that's extreme procrastination. There's also opportunity cost. Along with the inefficiency of procrastination, a lot of those extra hours and a lot of that energy that is spent striving for perfection could have been spent on any number of more fulfilling activities and experiences. Not only that, perfectionism drives people to constantly do more and it leads us to struggle with it and to take on far more projects, a lot more challenges and stresses that we can probably reasonably handle, but the surplus of to-dos really quickly adds or leads to chronic stress and burnout. And chronic stress and burnout could lead to depression and anxiety and feeling like we are just doing too much and not enough for ourselves. So we end up getting this persistent dissatisfaction. And a lot of the people who struggle with perfectionism have that voice in their head reminding them of how much there is to do and how badly we should feel as if we didn't accomplish it. You know, aside from the guilt and the frustration around this persistent inner critic in our heads, that long-standing perfectionism really makes it difficult to enjoy things in life and find genuine satisfaction. It's hard. It's hard to enjoy the present when we're always looking ahead to new tasks or behind us to old failures and constantly just thinking about what we could have done better or what we can do right now that is better than before. Needless to say, perfectionism is far more serious than we really look at it and how it's presented. It's a especially difficult problem to overcome because we really don't understand what causes this perfectionist ideal way. And a lot of the time we would say that it comes from growing up when we were younger, um, or it could be from the struggle of just keeping up with today's society. Perfectionism is really highly misunderstood and misused. But when I went and looked up the mechanics behind all this perfectionist ways, I really found a better shot at resolving it. And there's a lot of ways to overcome some of these tendencies and these behaviors uh, that result in a lot of these bad outcomes that just make us act in ways that we really don't want to act. When you look at somebody who fails in something, when they look at the thing that they failed at and they say, hey, I failed, but you know, it's fine. 
I'll get through this. That's healthy. But when you look at someone else who said, hey, I failed, but I'm just never going to do good. You know, I'm, I'm never going to be good enough. I'm going to just keep putting that extra hour, that extra minute to, you know, be perfect. Perfectionism really has strong influence in everything that we do. Every behavior is visible and easy to observe. But you just have to understand that there's more to life. There's more to learn. And there's mistakes that are easily fixed. And if it's a mistake that cannot be fixed, the only thing to do is move forward. But far from this mild personality quirk or the false humility of the high achiever, perfectionism is literal hell. You know, most people with perfectionism will admit that they know intuitively that on some level their expectations and efforts toward achieving perfect outcomes are both really unrealistic and detrimental and that true perfection is impossible. And honestly, this really leads us to the central paradox of what perfectionism is. You know, perfectionists know that achieving perfection and doing things perfectly is impossible, but they just feel driven to keep trying anyways. So when we think about perfectionists and perfectionism, it really begins at an early childhood. It's a childhood response to some form of trauma and it's emotional, emotional consequences let's say your parents get a divorce and you're an you're an only child who just starts trying to be perfect because you believe that the separation was just somehow your fault and that never making mistakes will really prevent any future family disruptions another example is maybe you know, there's three children and the older sibling is the good looking athletic one. You know, the younger one is the funny, charismatic one. And the middle child, this is where this, you know, this reality comes in. The middle child really learns to work inordinately hard in order to gain attention and affection um, from the older and the younger. Another example is if you're a child of a violent or erratic alcoholic parent, you know, sometimes if you're an older sibling, you really learn to obsessively plan for every possible contingency each day just to protect yourself and to feel safe from any event that could happen, you know, especially if it's an erratic alcoholic parent or a parent who is abusing drugs, you know, there are so many ways that the habit of striving for perfection can initially be triggered by a lot of disturbing situations. 
and the need to ease a painful emotion. So this habit of striving for perfection becomes stronger and stronger every year because, or every minute, who knows, because on some level it works. On the other hand, it might actually prevent harm and prevent events that could cause emotional trauma. And in the case of a child who is constantly abused, you know, this is this is something that could be a very possible contingency that can really help them. But the habit of perfectionistic uh, striving might work in a sense that it could provide relief from a painful feeling, but throwing yourself into, you know, let's say schoolwork or getting good grades, you know, that forgotten middle child (laughs) is really able to distract themselves temporarily from the sadness coming from, you know, dismissed or devalued, it could, it could help. But perfectionism isn't about being perfect. It's about feeling perfect. You know, rinse and repeat for a few decades and you've got a strongly ingrained habit for striving for perfection in order to feel good or at least less badly. Each time a painful emotion comes up, you know, the brain remembers that perfectionistic striving leads to a lot of emotional relief in the past. And so it really pushes us towards that option before anything else. And each time we follow through with this push, we strengthen that connection between that painful emotion and that perfectionistic striving. So that really makes that initial push stronger and stronger every time. And this is how that vicious cycle gets formed. Perfectionists don't engage in perfectionistic behaviors because they're under the delusion that, they're, that they'll actually achieve perfectionism or perfection. They do it because it temporarily provides relief from a painful feeling. But what causes perfectionism isn't really the desire to be perfect. It's the desire to feel perfect. It's, it's all that feeling. Here's the question. How do we reduce the feeling of perfectionism? And how do we stop ourselves from acting like all we have to do is make everything perfect? Learning our true motivation behind why we're perfectionists and that emotional relief is really essential to unlearning it. It's just like meditating and learning to breathe. When you first get into meditating, you have to learn that you're young again. You're just that child learning everything step by step all over again. And in order to do that, we really have to let go of everything that we know. Everything that we thought we knew, just throw it away, throw it out the window. Understanding why we do things and how we feel is the first step to really unlearning that process and driving our brain to 
going a different direction the next time we start to feel as though that we're not good enough. And since it's only once that we understand what we really need, then we can address that need in a more productive and less distressing way rather than just trying to be perfect all the time. The first level of perfectionism, reduction, involves identifying our emotional triggers for this perfectionistic behavior and substituting it with an alternative way for coping strategies with fewer downsides. I found three steps that are pretty simple in kind of learning how to develop a alternative way to cope with these feelings that we that we get on a daily basis that these emotions that really hold us down and the first step really starts with beginning by using your perfectionism as a cue for emotional awareness so when you start to notice yourself engaging in your usual perfectionistic behavior like rechecking your work for the fifth time or looking back at that text that you don't want to send but you feel like you need to send you know use that as a reminder to check in with yourself emotionally and ask yourself what emotions am I feeling right now how strong are they what happened to trigger these emotions and finally, what, am, what was I thinking about leading up to this perfectionistic behavior? Step two is develop a collection of alternative coping strategies. So when you use the questions that I just told you guys to generate a playbook, if we can call that our little playbook of alternative strategies based on the emotions that really tend to trigger these perfectionist ways for us, we could use that to really help us. So for example, if loneliness is your, is your trigger, you might call a friend who always picks up and is easy to talk to, or you might send a random silly text to a sibling or you know, take your dog to the dog park or play with your cat. You know, whatever activity tends to help you feel more connected to people rather than saying that you have no friends, that you have nobody to talk to, that you're just alone. Instead of leading our brain to think that way, we just have to understand that there's more that we can do with ourselves. There's little simple actions that we can help cope with these emotions that we're feeling. Because let me tell you guys, loneliness is my biggest fear. <laughs> and I never want to be lonely. I lived alone for a long time. When I would I moved out and I would move to certain places and I would be on my own but now I live with two roommates and I 
have never been happier. Because when you think about this, loneliness is honestly the number one killer. Especially for someone like me who needs to be around people. Because for myself, I feel like I just wouldn't know what to do if I was just alone for too long. And a lot of the time when I'm alone for too long, I just tend to overthink and start feeling sad and depressed and anxious and start wondering about the things that I could do, I could have been doing. And my mind just goes into a gigantic roller coaster of emotions. <laughs> but when I'm around somebody during the right time, I feel like I'm not alone and that I can talk to someone and use that as a distraction from that voice in my head that is just constantly telling me that I'm not good enough, that I need to do more, that I, I just, <laughs> you know, I'm lost for words, but there's so much that our minds tell us that is not true. So the point is <laughs> of all of this is to really have a collection of go-to strategies ready ahead of time so that when so that when the emotion strikes you have several alternatives to these perfectionist ways ready at hand and easy to implement. And the last step is practice and experiment. So when you realize that it's going to take some time and repetition to break out of the habit of going straight to your perfectionistic behaviors, it's going to feel unfamiliar and uncomfortable, but that's how learning new ways and really growth always feels. And that's how you know that you're growing when it starts becoming uncomfortable. <laughs> At the same time, remember to have an experimental mindset. Remember when I said that during meditation, we try to understand how to breathe and how to let our thoughts pass and just learn to be five years old again, as if we're just discovering the world one more time. And not just one more time, we can be discovering the world 200 billion times. You know, learning is a never-ending cycle. So if a coping strategy doesn't seem to be working for you, that doesn't mean the whole project of this is a failure. It just means that you might need to experiment with a slightly different strategy. So that's where practice and experimenting comes in. The first level of perfectionism reduction is an okay place to start. You know, identifying the emotional triggers for these perfectionistic behaviors and substituting new, less destructive behaviors that meet the same emotional need as the perfectionism that we have in our heads. But when you realize that you don't have to do anything in response to your emotion... That's the secret to really overcoming perfectionism. That you don't have to do anything in response to your emotions. 
if you're feeling angry, if you're feeling overwhelmed, if you're feeling sad, you know, you don't have to respond to these emotions. You can be aware of your painful emotions and really feel them without doing anything to try to reduce them or make them go away. You know, including perfectionistic behaviors or any other coping strategy. This is, by the way, the essence of mindfulness. <laughs> you know, that's why I always, I kept bringing up meditation because it's all about mindfulness, to be aware without thinking or doing anything, just observe. But I did have this thought in my head that why would I just let my painful emotions happen without trying to reduce them? I'm not a masochist, you know, but just sitting with and tolerating uncomfortable emotions sometimes feels, feels dumb, <laughs> not to mention painful. Because from a young age, we're taught to be the fixers and problem solvers, you know, quickly take action to make things right. But the problem is emotions aren't a problem, even the really painful ones. And there are consequences to treating them as though they, they are. But no amount of anger, sadness, regret, or any other emotion can hurt us because emotions aren't actually dangerous, but they feel dangerous and they feel like they're going to last forever unless we do something about them, which is why most of us are in the habit of instantly trying to fix or distract ourselves from these uncomfortable or painful emotions that just come out of nowhere. But this habit of immediately trying to make our feelings go away has a huge downside. You know, we never get to see firsthand what happens to emotions when they're left on their own. There's that voice where it's like, don't leave me hanging. You know, it turns out this whole idea behind mindfulness, just observing our emotions without really trying to fix or run away from them. We get to learn experimentally that it's simple and it's simply in these emotions in their nature to be short-lived and to come and go quickly. But if we always take action and uh, reduce our emotion or distract ourselves from them, we never get the chance to actually really learn that for ourselves. And the habit of always doing something in response to an uncomfortable emotion is itself the problem. You know, running away reinforces these beliefs that our emotions are dangerous. And it makes us feel even more likely to run away from them rather than cope with them. But when we're willing to face our uncomfortable emotions and sit with them, we allow ourselves the opportunity to learn firsthand what these emotions are really like. You know, sometimes intense, but as I always say, emotions are always fleeting. This knowledge about ourselves gives us uh, the freedom and the confidence to accept and ride out these emotions rather than just compulsively trying to make them go away. This isn't intellectual knowledge. 
that we're talking about here. It's, it's experimental. And I'll give you guys an example. If you're scared of uh, snakes or spiders, some of them aren't really dangerous. But unless you practice holding one in your hand over and over again, you might still be afraid. But understanding that these feelings aren't dangerous or particularly long-lasting, you won't really believe that and act accordingly until you experimentally learn it for yourself. As in holding that snake and holding that spider. You know, the secret to overcoming perfectionism is to practice being tolerant of your emotions, especially the ones that are strongly associated with uh, perfectionistic behaviors. There's a few ways that I was Wikipediaing and I was Googling, if this makes sense. A lot of this comes from emotional awareness, you know, emotional tolerance, you know, understanding, you know, mindfulness and practicing. It's a great way to to understand where your emotions come from and what triggers you and how to understand that it'll just come and go. And once you gain enough experience to see that awfulness just sitting there, you'll understand that it's just fully imagined. You know, it's all in our heads. And so I always felt like I have always just been too perfect in my head. I always wanted to be perfect. But the rise in perfectionism doesn't mean that we can accomplish it. You know, it means that we, we're getting sicker, sadder, and even undermining our own potential. It, it's a self-defeating way to move through the world. And it's built on an excru excruciating irony. You know, making and admitting mistakes is a necessary part of growing and learning and being human. It also makes you better at your career and your relations, your relationships and life in general. But by avoiding mistakes at any cost, a perfectionist can really make it harder to reach their own goals. So don't avoid your mistakes. Understand that these drawbacks, you can take two steps forward and three steps back. But either way, you're going to gain more steps forward than you did back. Because all of these things, perfectionism, oh my gosh, it just leads to so many things. As I said, depression, anxiety, self-harm, social anxiety, you know, obsessive compulsive disorder, um, binge eating, anorexia, bulimia, you know, people want to be perfect and they want to feel perfect and it, it doesn't help a lot of the time unfortunately you know the one thing that a lot of people suffer from is that and 
it leads to a lot of suicides. A lot. And we tend to feel like beating ourselves up for mistakes and feeling like we can't live up to a lot of expectations makes us more vulnerable to these mental health disorders and these feelings that we just have no control over. You know, simply having high personal standards also leads to, you know, suicide ideation. Now, there's sometimes maybe upsides to perfectionist thinking. They're minor and perfectionism isn't defined by working hard or setting high goals. It's that critical inner voice. It's it's that voice that just follows you and tells you that you're a failure and that you're not good enough. That's perfectionism. That inner voice criticizes different things for different people, work, relationships, tidiness, fitness. You know, my own tendencies may be a lot more different from someone else's. It can take someone who knows knows me well to pick on them. You know, you can be as young as 10 years old to feel as though you're having, you know, perfectionism, anxiety, and depression. And the trouble is that for perfectionism, um, performance is intertwined with your sense of self. When you don't succeed, you don't feel disappointed about how you did. You feel shame about who you are. Ironically, perfectionism then becomes a defense tactic to keep shame at bay. So if you're perfect, you never fail. And if you never fail, there's no shame. So it's a vicious cycle. And because it's impossible to be perfect, it's it's a fruitless one. If I could say that, you know, it's dangerous. It It's not worth it. And there's so much that we can do that helps us with our mental health to understand that we don't have to be perfect, especially one of those, the most robust protections against anxiety and depression is self-compassion. You know, the very thing that perfectionists lack a self-criticism which perfectionists are so good at you know you just have to understand that you are good enough that it's okay to make mistakes that you can do more you can strive for more without having to dictate every small thing that comes at you and causes stressful emotions you know, as years go by and as generation gets continues on, you know, each generation is probably getting more perfectionistic by the minute. You know, millennials, for example, you know, if you gain ten pounds, you're fat. And that's just the sad reality of a lot of people nowadays is that they are not good enough for a lot of things. So failure is so severe. 
and it puts a lot of pressure on ourselves and on our children and their children. So if we focus on an achievement, then kids become very averse to mistakes. And making children feel guilty for making a mistake, it can get even more problematic. So fear of failure is getting magnified in other ways, like social media, make a mistake today, and it could be broadcasted, you know, even globally. It's it's hardly irrational. And at the same time, all of those glossy feel feeds reinforce unrealistic standards. So if you model good behavior by watching your own perfectionistic tendencies, it could really exhibit a lot of unconditional love and affection to not only others, but towards yourself as well. It's all about creating an environment where imperfection isn't just accepted, but it's celebrated because it means we're human. It's saying things like, you really tried hard and I'm proud of you and the effort that you put in. It's about creating a life for ourselves and communicating to the idea that you don't have to be perfect to be lovable or to be loved. It can be liberating, allowing imperfection to happen and accepting it and celebrating it because it's exhausting maintaining all of these harbored emotions that just stick with us and allowing that voice in our heads to just criticize us for not being perfect. You are good enough. You're amazing. And I love you so much. And if nobody has said this to you yet today, you're so important. And you have so much going for you. So you being here and you listening to this episode just shows how amazing you are as a person and how willing you are to learn and to grow. So thank you so much for taking this time and listening to me speak and being here with me today. I hope you guys have an amazing day and I hope you took a lot of out of this because I learned a lot, especially when I was researching perfection and being a perfectionist. I learned lots and I'm taking a lot back with me. So I love you guys so much, so, so, so much. And I hope you live your life as though it's your last. I'll see you in the next episode. Bye.